0: Heavenly Father, this morning, continue to be our teacher and our inspirer. Please teach us to be teachable and open to what your voice says, to the lessons you're trying to teach us, to how you are trying to grow us. Sometimes growth is painful, but it is good for us. Thank you, Father, and I pray this morning will be a growing experience in understanding your word better. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, the mystery of abiding. We're going to continue from last week because this is an interesting topic. I got a few emails last week. Oh, yeah, well, what about that verse? Okay. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a very interesting topic. So I'm going to recap a little bit of what I covered and then continue to lay a deeper foundation. This particular text that I'm dealing with, um, we've been told what it means. If you in church, if you've been in church a long enough time, certain texts in the Bible, yeah, that's what it means. You don't even think about it. Yeah, I've read that. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, that's the Easter story. Yeah, that's Christmas. Blah. You don't question it, do you? I, no, you don't. I don't. I just, okay, on to the next. I've read the love chapter. Yeah, it just means love. Isn't that sweet? That's yeah, great. It's a to-do list for couples. Yeah, yeah, got it. No, it's it's I, I. What I'm finding in the last number of years, in fact, probably the last last 17 years. I'm asking more questions. And this can totally happen to you. When you start to ask questions, one question will lead to a whole bunch more questions. Questions breed more questions. So if you're reading through a text of Scripture and you're having a conflict, so how does this Scripture um, match with this idea that God is love? Then ask more questions. Don't settle. There are answers, and I don't have them all. I'm still, I've got a whole bunch of shelved questions. This is me right now. I've got a whole bunch of these. And that's a good place to be. Instead of being dogmatic. In fact, as I was researching this particular text that I'm going to cover, I was shocked at the dogmatism of responses online. Uh, the most dogmatic response was, the, it, the, the understanding of this text is either right or wrong period. There's only one way to read this text, and it's like, oh, dude, you have so much growing up to do, if that's your lens, okay? We have a journey of maturing to go through. It's like teaching young, young children about the bees and the birds and cabbage patches, right? That's what we tell them, that there's, there's this weird little kiddie language we use, to explain certain things of life. But then they get older, and they find out you lied. (laughs) Now you have a credibility issue. (laughs) There is no Santa. (laughs) What? What? Okay, there was. Fine. You can look at it any way you want. You know where I'm going. Same thing with the message you teach people about who God is and His love. If you have taught about an angry God that is distant and only loves those who repent, somebody's going to find out you lied. And then you're forced to go to the questions. Wait a minute, but that's what I was taught. My pastor said, well, don't trust your pastor's words, people. Yeah, here too. Here too. Don't trust just the words of the one who is teaching. I don't care what channel they're on or how big their ministry is. Have it confirmed through prayer and reading yourself and studying yourself. There are so many tools available for you to dig into God's Word that everything's accessible. Unlike many, many, many years ago where it was only the clergy in the church that were allowed to read the Scripture because it wasn't even in print, okay, like for, for mass production. It was only church leaders who controlled not only the words, but the interpretation. Well, today, things are becoming more and more clear. And last week, we started with this. John 15, I am the true vine, or genuine vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me, by the way, that's key for this text, as we covered last week, that every, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. There's the Greek word. I didn't have that up last week because the question came up, wait a minute, where'd you get that word uh, lifts up? Because most translations will say any branch in me that does not bear fruit, he cuts off. How many have read or heard the cut off thing? Guess what? You can look this word up and the very first meaning is lifts up. It does not say cut off. If you're going to say cut off, the word prune is about cutting off more or less, right? Yes? That makes sense? Why isn't the same word used then? This is, this is a different word altogether. This is about lifting up. And again, context for the whole 10 verses of this section, John 15, 1-10. This is not talking about salvation. The theme, the context is bearing fruit. Do not take it out of context. I did for years, and many still do. But if you can see this and look at the word, there it is. He, he says he takes away, but the word is lift up. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. And here's the word prunes, which is also translated cleanse or purify. That's another word for prune. It's, uh, he, uh, he prunes so it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. This text was used to scare the hell out of people. You can lose your salvation. Ha! See? There it says. You can get cut off. You'll be taken away. Uh, No. Horrifically wrong. It's more beautiful. The love of God gets even better in this whole context. In fact, in, uh, I ended last week with uh, skipping to verse 10. You know, this is, I tell you this so your joy will be full and complete. Well, if you're going to try and bring somebody's joy, some, bring somebody joy and make it complete, let's say somebody has a birthday party. You just want to make them smile and bring them joy. Do you bring them a, a, a text on you're going to hell as well? <laughs> Slide that birthday card in there. You're going to hell if you don't do this right. Like, I'm sorry. You just don't do that. And God didn't do that in this text. He's talking about bearing fruit, maturing, growing, keep growing, and that he prunes so that we may bear more fruit so that we'll become useful instead of useless. Last week, we looked at 2 Peter 1, to 8-9 and talked about the idea of, uh, um, that if we forget, we have been forgiven. We can become productive and useless in our knowledge of God. So don't forget this is a reminding church, a family that reminds you of your identity, reminds you you're clean, reminds you you're pure, you're holy, you're already righteous, and start acting like it. And when you forget, you act like who you think you are, and if you think you're unrighteous, you'll probably act like it. Stop it. It's, it's, it's that simple. It really is. Know who you are. You'll act out of your identity in a very real way. Pruning. Every branch in that bears fruit, he prunes. Okay, so if you're bearing fruit in your life, God will do some pruning. He cuts away those things that, will, that are hindering for even greater things. The, the evidence of, of bearing fruit is cool. And what does he do with some branches that, that don't bear fruit? We'll, we'll cover that in a few minutes. We're getting there. Because people use that one for hell as well. It's like, stop it. There's no hell theme in this text. Zero doesn't exist. Don't go there. Take a look. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you. Unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do some things. Is that what it says? No. It says apart from me you can do nothing. Nothing of kingdom value. Wow. I thought I could do a lot of stuff for God. By the way, when you enter into times of times of unfruitfulness, where you seem like, oh, I feel like I'm not worth anything, I'm not doing anything, nothing seems to be flowing out of my life. That is not a thing that says God's condemning you because you're not bearing fruit, because he's in charge of the fruit bearing, not you. Quit trying to be so much in control. Keep surrendering. Live as Jesus did, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Remember, you've been made clean. You do know that. You are clean. You're forgiven. That's a fact of the cross. I think the difficulty comes is we sometimes don't forgive ourselves. And if we can't forgive ourselves, then we suddenly put a higher standard on us than God does on us. Do you see the control freak flesh? Do you see the ridiculousness of it? If your Heavenly Father has completely forgiven you and cleansed you, what are you hanging on to? It's powerful. That was another series I did. I'm like, I'm going to rabbit trail. I don't want to do that this morning. All right. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is the perfect model for abiding. So let's look at him briefly. You've heard this here before. If you're new to Hope Fellowship, this will be new to you. If you've been part of Hope Fellowship, you've seen this before. However, this is a big reminder. If Jesus modeled abiding, how did he do it? Here's how he did it. John 5.30 says, I do nothing on my own initiative. Hmm. Jesus, the Son of God, come to earth as a man, fully God, fully human, says, I don't do anything on my own initiative. This is strange. Hmm. Then he says, my teaching, it's not mine, but his who sent me. Huh. (coughs) I do not speak on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father has taught me. Ooh, 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 look. As the Father taught me. Not my initiative, not my teaching. I don't speak on my own initiative. It's about the Father. Then he keeps going. Watch this. For I have not even come on my own initiative. He says that a lot. Hmm, interesting. But he sent me. Are you starting to get the theme of where the source is coming from? I hope so. For I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me commandment, what to say and what to speak. Huh? Okay, you should be getting it by now. The word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. This is big this reveals how Jesus lived and shows us we have hope as humans. Because I always thought Jesus had the God card. That's why he didn't sin. You know, he kind of, well, of course, he's God. He doesn't have the same struggles as we do because he'll never go too far. His temptation will never draw him in like the rest of us humans. Right? That's, don't, how many thought that? I thought that growing up. That's a natural thought. And if you didn't think of it, you go, Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> it gets better. Watch this. What is the source then that animated the life of Jesus? Where did this all come from? What if I were to tell you the man, Jesus, didn't do any miracles? Wouldn't that kind of, you go, know, Wait a minute. There's a whole bunch of miracles that, that are written in Scripture. What if the man didn't do them? What if Jesus, the man, did not perform them? Here's where we have a proof text for this encouragement. Acts 2.22. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you, listen, by God with miracles and wonders and signs. Ha! Told you. See, he did miracles and wonders and signs. Keep reading. Which God performed through him in your midst. God performed. The Father was the source, was the life that was animated through Jesus. Jesus did not live out of his divinity. He lived out of his humanity. He surrendered that divinity power thing so he couldn't call on that wisdom. Why do you think Jesus often said, I don't know the time or the day. I don't know this. Because Papa, God, Father, never revealed it to him at that moment. Does he know all things now? Yeah, of course he does. But this is how Jesus did it. Jesus abided in his Father, living in absolute dependence, moment by moment, instant by instant. This is what the abiding was. Well, then how are we to relate to Jesus? Jesus. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. How did the Father send him? Father sent him, and he abided in the Father. That's the only copycat you get to do. Jesus didn't say, copy all the stuff that's written about me in Scripture. Do those things, and you'll be holy. He didn't say that. He didn't say, mimic my miracles and all my stuff, and my long prayers, don't mimic all those and then, then you'll be more like me. He didn't say that. He modeled a relationship. The Christian life is about a relationship, not a sect of rules and, and configurations of how we're to behave and moral standards and all that. That's not what Christ has called us to. He's called us to live out of the life of Christ already in us. Moment by moment, instant by instant, day by day. He who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. For apart from me, he can do nothing. The Son of Man can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son does in like manner. If the Father reveals to you, or if Jesus reveals to you a really profound, great news, you're going to live that out. It's going to come out of you because it's been revealed to you. That's your joy. That's your gift. That's your fruit. There's more fruit. Here's a beautiful, beautiful definition of abiding. Uh, Steve McVeigh wrote this in 2010 on a blog. And I love, love, love it. Every sentence matters, so please listen carefully as I read it to you. This is the most basic and freeing definition of abiding I've yet come across. Simply put, to abide in Christ means one thing. <sighs> to relax. <laughs> Stop there, isn't that great? Just relax. The Christian world can sure chill. Man, they, they need to take a chill pill or a whole bottle something because they're, they're, they're jacked up on something that's all hyperventilating and, and trying to get something going. No, we need to relax and trust His Indwelling life, which means, do you even know he lives in you? Because if you don't, you're going to try to get him into you. Do you see the problem? That's what I grew up with. I believed God was distant, and I had to act the right way or pray a certain way for him to now come near. Like the Grover thing. I got to do it. Are you ready? Near. Far. God's not the Grover thing. He's in you. He's one with you. He holds you together. You are not absent from Christ. Nobody is. This is good news. So relax and trust his indwelling life to motivate and mobilize our actions. It means to know that it's not up to us to make something happen. That's where we screw up. I always try to help God out. I don't know about you, but when it's not moving fast enough, I try and give him a nudge and help him out. You know, usually backfires. It means to trust him and stop worrying about ourselves. In fact, it means to take our eyes off ourselves and just look at him. Knowing that there's nothing we have to do and that he will show us when to act and what to do when it's time to do it. This is a life of rest. Do not think abiding means passivity. He is the initiator in our lives for anything he wants to do. So rest and relax. It's his job to get your attention. As a parent, you know it's your job to get your kids' attention when they're not listening or when they're in danger. And sometimes it sounds like anger, it sounds like wrath, wrath called passion. Any emotional, deep, intense passion, that's what the word wrath literally means. Any intense emotion. And we put wrath on our kids when they're in danger and they, they're not listening. Stop! Is a are running out on the road to catch a ball or something silly like that. That's the love of God. You did that, Dave, didn't you? Yes, okay. That explains a lot. Okay. (laughs) The love of God is what compels us. We love, why? Because he first loved us. So don't tell people to love God more. That's ridiculous. Tell them, receive his love. Believe it. That will change them. That's going to transform them. Philippians 2, 5 to 8, and Russ, Russ talked about this uh, uh, briefly in his uh, preamble to the leading of worship. Philippians 2, 5 to 8, uh, the, the um, theology term called kenosis, where Christ emptied himself. It says, you must have the same attitude that Christ had, Though he was God, being in the form of God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. In the Greek it says he emptied himself or laid aside his privileges. He took the humble position or form of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. This is Jesus being fully God, fully human, not living out of his divinity, having to live out of his humanity and trust the indwelling life of his Father. He did it as a human. That's how he lived. That means you and I can too. That means he identifies with our humanity. And he is still human right now. This is good news. So what would Jesus do? I was trying to find a cartoon of Jesus asking himself, what would I do? (laughs) You've seen the bumper stickers. You've had the t-shirts and bracelets and all that stuff. And I was on that bandwagon and youth group and all that stuff. It's the most ridiculous control freak thing to teach people. It means it's up to you now, not Christ. It is up to you to determine and figure out exactly what would Jesus do in this exact circumstance. And you got a 50-50 chance of getting it right. Maybe. Do you know, oh, whatever. pick your ratio, but how do you know? What would Jesus do? I'll tell you, the only what would Jesus do that you need to know is this. What, did, what would Jesus do? He'd abide in his Father. That's how we modeled it. That means for you, the answer is abide in the Son. Listen for His voice. He will direct you when it's time to act. And if you're hyperactive, sometimes He may be really quiet because He doesn't want you hyperactive, He wants you calm and resting. I don't know anybody like that. Gee. Jesus lived in this world as a man who depended entirely on God to be His life. Everything that Jesus did, it wasn't Jesus doing it, it was the life of God doing it through him. And that's the exact same thing for you and I. I want Jesus' life to be the source through me. So anything that comes out, all the fruit, whatever benefits, that's him, the results. Don't... and by the way, this is another rabbit troll that many churches do. They say, what's the fruit then? What's the the fruit we bear? Oh, it must be new new salvations. It must be the evangelism fruit. It's not. It's not referring to that at all. Again, the text has nothing to do with salvation. So what possibly could he be talking about? The fruit that we bear. Well, I think Paul addressed it really, really well. Hopefully it's there. Nope. Listen to this. It's coming up later because I do have it. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. If I get to it, it'll come. I just forget the slide that I'm at. The fruit is love, joy. I do have the slide. Good. Okay, let me back up. I'm going to read this first because we're going to get to the fruit. Just hold the fruit. <laughs> Verse 6. If anyone, tis is the Greek word, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown, balo, away as a branch and dries up. And they are gathered, and they gather them and cast, balo, them into the fire and they are burned. Ooh, wait a minute. There you go. See, that, that means you can get cut off and go to hell. That, that, that's what this must mean. Not at all. That's not what it's saying. If anyone, in one translation I read, it's the word anything. If anything does not abide in me, If all of our works are not coming from abiding in Christ, they'll be cut off. They'll be burned up. They're useless. They're not for eternal value. Do you see this? Blank stares. Or, oh my God, really? And I can say that in church. (laughs) Do you get it? It's not a curse word. I'm saying, oh my God. Reveal. Show me a better picture of this text. If anything or anyone does not abide in me, the work is thrown. The word thrown, balo. And same thing, cast. These are exactly the same words. Why didn't they use them the same? I don't know. He's drawing attention to this. That's why the original languages matter. Put them into a fire and are burned. So here we go. So, what is the fruit then? The fruit is this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. This is the good news, folks. This is the stuff the Holy Spirit does. (coughs) Love. If there's love coming out of your life, that's fruit of the Spirit. Is there joy? That's a fruit of the Spirit. Is there peace? Ooh, that's a good one, because with all the worrying going on these days, (laughs) that isn't too active. Patience is a fruit of the spirit of the life of Christ in you. Kindness. That's really hard when you're in a roundabout or driving. But anyway, goodness. Goodness is a fruit of the spirit. Faithfulness comes from being motivated by the life of Christ in us. Gentleness, oh my goodness. Gentleness, that means not harsh. Wow. Uh, By the way, I don't display them all the time. (laughs) Ask my family. They'll tell you pretty quick. Yep, you don't. But there are times that I do. And I celebrate the times that I do. Self-control. Ouch. This is a fruit of the Spirit of Christ in you. This is the gold and silver fruit in our lives. What am I talking about? This is it. Listen carefully. This is, this is the culmination of verse 6 of, first of, of John 15. Verse 6, where it says he'll, be the, the, uh, he'll prune, and those branches that bear nothing will be thrown into the fire and burned. Here's what it's talking about. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He's the foundation for everything we have and everything we believe. Period. Non negotiable. Now, If any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the equality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet as though through fire. We can build our own kingdoms. We can build our own reputations, and we think we can do lots of stuff for God. But if he's not the driving force, and he's not the fuel, he's not the motivation, and, if, and it's again, it's up to him to reveal all this to you. You don't have to worry, am I doing it right? Am I abiding? By the way, dividing, abiding is your new natural default. It's unnatural for you to not abide. There, pressure's off. Oh, good. <laughs> you are already attached. You're already abiding. Do you see it? Okay. So what happens then? Fire. You've got to do your own study on the word fire. What does the fire mean throughout Scripture? First of all, God is a consuming fire. Oh, before we start that, God is love. I've come to see, and it's a pretty good assumption, that I believe the fire is his love. Will it purify? I think so. Some will like it, some will hate it. But it's his love. that will burn up the stuff put it to work you reveal here's what I did through you is what Christ is going to say that's the stuff that's going to last the stuff you tried to do on your own in your own strength no matter how good your intentions were if I didn't direct you to it it'll burn up like hay wooden stubble it's that easy in fact that stuff burns really quick doesn't take much gold has a process of being refined by constantly being boiled and made hot and all the garbage stuff gets up to the top and they keep scooping until it's all gone. What's left is the pure gold. All the inconsistencies, all the fragments of dirt and dust are all brought to the surface and whisked off because they're useless. But the gold has the value. You're good. You're in his hands. You are not absent from his love. He loves you. And don't forget, the verse said, every branch in me. Do you remember that? I forgot. Yes, that's why I'm reminding you. In me. You're already in him. This is about you growing up and him wanting to live his life in and through you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this and you will, bear much, that you will bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you're questioning whether God loves you, he just made it clear. Do you believe the Father loves the Son? Pretend you're Pentecostal. Charismatic something. Come on. Does the Father love the Son? Does the Son love the Father? Does the Father love the Spirit? Does the Spirit love the Father? Does the Spirit love the the Son? And does the Son love the Spirit? Perichoresis, the Trinity. Perfect love. And he said just now, as the Father loves me. Unconditional So I love you. You start telling people that. That is the gospel. Not, if you do this, then God will love you. That's a lie. Scripture does not say that anywhere. He loves you. He's trying to motivate you to believe it and see he wants to live his life through you so you can bear fruit, fruit of righteousness. By the way, that prayer, I did not skip over it. Whatever you ask and wish, you'll be done. How many like that part? (laughs) Guess what? Any true prayer is initiated by the Spirit of Christ already in us. So you think he's going to answer it? Yeah. Do we understand it? No, I don't get it. I'm still trying to figure it out. I think I'll get really rich when I do because I'll write a book. John 15, last verse. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And I've said all this. Why? These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. That's why he told the parable Abide in me so that your joy may be full. may experience a little bit, but he wants it fuller. There's more to experience. Once again, this text has nothing to do with salvation, but rather the Father's love and how interconnected we are and how he wants to live his life out through you and what he wants to spill out of your life to all those around you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, I keep thinking, why do I have to wait till I'm really old to learn some of this stuff? Because I see a lot older, ma- more mature people, they seem to exhibit this stuff a lot easier. I don't know why. None of us will 100% arrive until we cross through that veil. And <coughs> we don't have any flesh issues. It's pure grace flowing on us full till. And we will understand what it is we need to understand at that time. Will we know everything once we cross that line? No. Otherwise we'd be God. I think we're going to spend the rest of eternity learning and growing deeper in our understanding of God's incredible love. Because we can't describe it enough. So if you think you've got a cap on how far God's love goes, who are you kidding? It goes so much farther than your cap. Even as you start to be extreme in your head, okay, maybe you could love that person. Maybe you could love, uh, I don't know. It goes so much farther than all that. Because his fruit is going to come out of your life because he is your nurturer. He is the sap in your life, the full life source with all the nutrients and everything you need to bear the fruit he wants to bear through you. It is not up to you. Rest. That's the message today. Will you trust your heavenly father? Will you trust Jesus in you? Or are you still scared of him? because it might make you do something that's really embarrassing. That's a great question to ask him. Have fun talking to him this week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please make this truth real in our lives. Keep reminding me, because I sometimes forget. And you've been so good to quickly jump in and remind me. I I need that, and I thank you for it. Will you do it for everybody? Could you tune our ears to hear your pitchfork that is tuned to perfect love so that as we hear that tune in us, it's it's resounding you. And may we then be that music to the rest of this world. To be an orchestra of love with many instruments, many chords, but one director. Thank you, Father. Amen.